All right, you guys can take a seat. Let's pray really quick. Jesus, we love you so much. And I pray what that song says, Lord, send revival in our world. Oh, we just, we need it so bad. And I pray boldly, because I have to believe you like bold prayers, that the epicenter of it would be in the United States. And we know for that to happen, it has to begin in the church. And for that to happen, it has to begin in the hearts of Christians and your followers. And so right now, we just, we shift our focus from the craziness happening around us to what's happening within us. Would you search our hearts and our souls and bring revival to individual people? We love you so much. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said... Amen. You guys doing good? All right. I'm so happy to see you. So glad that you're here and that you have found a home at Red Rocks Church. And I'm just a really grateful guy this week for three specific reasons. Would you like to know them? Okay. I like this. All right. Number one, because we got our lobby culture back. I don't know if you've noticed over the past few weeks, but it is alive in the lobby after church. We got our lobby back, lobby back, lobby back. I just, I literally just thought of that. And if I could go back 10 seconds, I would not do that. <laughs> no, I would, I would. The Red Rocks lobby back, that's it. It's like Chili's out in that lobby. People are having fun, people are laughing, people are, are smiling, and even with masks on, it feels like family out there. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna preach a quick sermon, and I know that makes some of you snicker. <laughs> Like, yeah, right, but seriously, I just, I want to I wanna preach a quick message and worship and then, and then get to the lobby. That's number one, our lobby culture. Number two is I, I see a lot of kids in this room, and I'm hearing a lot of giggles, and I'm grateful for it because to me, that sounds like a healthy church, and I, I love it. And so all the parents in this room, sit back and relax, and please just enjoy the service today. We're so glad that you're here. And number three, I'm just very grateful that I get to preach the word of God as often as I do. Um, I don't take it lightly. I want you to know that. I get slightly scared every single time, but not because I'm afraid of public speaking, not because I'm afraid of what you're going to think about me or I'm wondering if you're going to laugh at my jokes <clears throat> or not, um, but because it's the word of God and it deserves a perfect messenger, and that's not me. I can't give it that. In fact, Billy Graham in his prime could not give it that. Chuck Norris on his best day, can't do that, right? Yoda can't do that. Case closed. Like, I, I don't need to say more than that. But for whatever reason, God gives his perfect and holy message to flawed, imperfect people, and that's just called grace. And grace is not as much something he gives as it is something he is. It's not a principle, it's a person. His name is Jesus, and we have never needed him more than we do right now. The real Jesus, the explicit Jesus, stated clearly and in detail, leaving no room for confusion or doubt. Why? Because when you know the real Jesus, loving God will not be a problem for you. I believe with all my heart, when people have baggage with the church or, or with God, it's way more often because of Christians than it is the real Jesus. If you knew the real Jesus, loving God would not be a problem for you. So here is one thing this real Jesus said at the very end of his life, between his resurrection and when he ascended back into heaven. This is Matthew 28, verse 18, and here it is. Then Jesus came to them and said... 
And I'll just press pause right there really quick. That's already crazy because he was dead a few days ago. And now he's coming to them and saying something. And when you predict your death and resurrection and then you pull it off, you've, just, you've got my attention. I want to know what that guy has to say. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. The Greek word for authority is exousia. Exousia. And another synonym of authority that you could sub in there is the word influence. Jesus is saying all influence, all the influence in the universe is now mine. There is nothing that I can't do if I want to. I can call upon legions of angels at any moment if I wanted to. The wind goes where I tell it to go. Storms do what I say. The oceans roar my greatness. Evil does not argue with me. All influence is mine. And so I want to call this message Influencer Jesus. Influencer Jesus. And here's the definition of influencer right here. A human being with the capacity to affect people and shape culture for better or for worse. Influencer Jesus. Sound good? All right, let's pray. God, we love you so much. Have your way in this space. I know in 2020, it can be so easy to just manufacture moments at church. And I just want to run as far from that as possible. We need something real. May we encounter you today. That's all we ask. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, Val. All right. Well, you might be wondering why I'm wearing this ridiculous jacket. This was supposed to be my sermon illustration and be funny, but I've actually gotten more compliments on this jacket in the last hour than I've gotten on any outfit I've ever worn in my entire life. But the story goes like this. Ignoring the, the advice of my beautiful wife, hi, babe, I bought this four years ago at Forever 21 for $38, and today marks the very first time I've ever worn it in public, okay? And that's not normally like how I roll, but this has been that thing in my closet, my reminder that I bought this with my money. And that brings me to my point, and here it is. Money is the root of all evil. <clears throat> nope, I almost had you. If you brought a friend, you're like, usually he doesn't like try to trick us. This is, this is weird. For all of you Financial Peace University alum, you know that's not the Bible verse. It doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. Yeah, money can do a lot of bad, but money can also do a lot of good. $38 can buy you a really bad jacket. $38 can also feed and house Gene, our compassion kid in Rwanda, for an entire month. And I'm not trying to get religious about how we spend our money. I'm just making my point. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. So why do I say that? Because this is not a sermon about money, so breathe out. But it is a sermon about influence. And money and influence are in the same category. And here's what I mean. Influence can do a lot of good and a lot of bad. And wanting influence just for the sake of having influence can destroy you if you're not careful. In a day and age where everybody wants to be a rich influencer, 
I'm telling you. Chasing influence just for the sake of having influence is kind of like chasing money just for the sake of having more money. It'll never be enough no matter how much you have, and it will, de- it will never deliver on what it promises to give you. Influence just for the sake of having influence. It's dangerous, and here's why. Because there is a seed inside of every human being that desires to be made much of. And you know that. I don't have to convince you of that. It desires to be made much of. And it's very easy, it's very easy to quietly indulge it, and nobody else knows. And it doesn't smell bad at first. But if left unchecked, it can slowly begin to poison your soul. And the reason is because as human beings, we were never designed to be worshipped. We're not made for that. We were designed to worship. That's where your soul truly comes home. I read two articles recently. The first one said, the number one dream of teenagers today. Kids these days, guys, wow, so different than human beings in the rest of history. The number one dream of teenagers today is to be famous just for the sake of being famous. The other article said that same generation today is living with chronic depression and anxiety levels consistent with that of psychiatric patients from the 1950s. Influence just for the sake of having influence. I'm telling you, chasing influence like that is like chasing money. It's like a carrot on a stick. And the only thing more depressing than not being able to catch it is finally catching it and realizing it wasn't what you thought it was. And so why then would I tell you that influence is something you should want? Well, because influence can increase impact and you should want that influence can increase impact in fact the bible says that we should seek to have favor and a good a good name with other human beings at red rocks church we want influence but hear my heart not for the sake of having influence i don't mean to be mean but like who cares about influence it's everywhere But we want influence because influence can increase impact. And what does impact look like for us? It looks like heaven getting more crowded and earth getting more whole. And we just read all influence belongs to Jesus. But what if I told you he put some influence in your figurative wallet? Time, your words, your encouragement, your breath, your resources, your money, your platform, your prayers, your Instagram, your followers. What if I told you you are an influencer? What's the definition of influencer? Once again, it's on the screen behind me. A human being with the capacity to affect people and shape culture for better or for worse. This is you. You have influence. The only question is what will you, what will you spend it on? All influence originally belonging to Jesus that he gives us. And I'm looking at that going, okay, great. Everybody wants it. Who cares about influence? Are there ways to take this influence and convert it into something real? 
something that changes the world, impact, something that can be tasted and seen and heard and felt, something that makes a difference. And so I want to show you three scenes from the life of Jesus, three scenes where he takes his influence and he converts it into impact. The first way he does that is by sharing, sharing his influence. So there's a scene in Matthew chapter 16. I love this scene. It is a, it's a few days before the final supper, before him and his 12 disciples get to Jerusalem and the crucifixion and resurrection. Like a few days before that, he's with his 12 disciples hanging out probably around a fire, and he strikes up a conversation with Peter. I love Peter. And Jesus says, hey, Pete, who do people say I am? What's the word on the street, Pete? And Peter answers him and goes, oh, I mean, some say you're John the Baptist. One hears many things, Jesus. Some say you're Elijah or a prophet. But then Jesus gets really personal the way Jesus often does. And he turns the question on Peter. Okay, Peter, who do you say I am? I believe this is the most important question every human being will ever answer. If I didn't believe that with all my heart, I would not have given my life to be a pastor. I wouldn't have moved across the country to start a church. Who do you say Jesus is? You are not defined by what you do, but you are defined by who Jesus is to you. So Pete, who do you say I am? And Peter says, well, you're, you're the Messiah, you're my savior. You're my, my salvation because of you, even though I'm, I'm a knucklehead and you have a lot of evidence of that and I've fallen short and there's sin in my life that you, uh, you're my salvation. The kingdom cannot be achieved by perfect people. It can only be received by imperfect people. And this church is evidence of that. Jesus, you are the Messiah. And then Jesus says a very famous line that we quote all the time in church. He says, you've answered correctly. And I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and not even the gates of hell will be able to prevail against it. And then he does something so ridiculous. He looks at Peter, this flawed human being, and he says, Peter, these are the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom means the king's reign and rule. That's a big deal. Like, I wouldn't give you the keys to my car. Jesus is like, hey, Pete, here's the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Will you be perfect? No. Are you going to make mistakes and mess up? Absolutely. This is living proof that Jesus does not call the qualified, but he qualifies the called, right? Like if you ever think for a second you have out the grace of God or you've, you've somehow messed up his calling on your life, Peter is proof that's not true. Jesus says, hey, Peter, here's the keys to the kingdom, and he makes Peter the original leader of the entire church. Peter becomes the OG church planner. And so the question becomes, if Jesus handed you influence, could you give it away? Could you share it? Let me explain that. I was at the Hillsong Conference in New York City a few years ago. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons Hillsong Church, I think, is the biggest, most impactful church on this planet is because the global senior pastor, Brian Houston, 
All that guy does with the influence God gives him, he just holds it like this and shares it, shares it, shares it. I've never met him, never had a conversation with him, but I've heard people talk about him. I've seen him in videos, and from what I've observed, it's just like all that guy does is just he finds younger leaders and goes, guys, come on, let's go. Let's build, let's plant, let's start. What do you need? Influence, here you go. You need money, here you go. You need opportunities and connections, here you go. I got your back. You need a platform, here's mine. Will you make mistakes? Absolutely. Are you qualified? Doesn't matter. Jesus will qualify you. And I believe that church is so blessed because it's not about Brian, it's about Jesus. He shares his influence, and because he does that, God converts it into impact. The proof is in the fruit. You cannot argue with impact because it's real. But the question is, okay, but what does that require from human beings to do that? It requires that you care more about impact than you do influence. I'm gonna be so real here and ask a very real question and a very rhetorical question that's just for you. It's so easy to trick yourself in this question and not be real with you. Do you care more about impact or influence? And if you're like me, you got that know-it-all voice in your head that knows all the right answers that said, oh, for, for sure, for sure, impact. Yeah, definitely, impact. In a way where really only you and God know what the real answer is. What do I want more, the impact itself or to be known as the one who influenced it? Like, can we just be real? Authenticity is one of our pillars. I think it was President Truman who said, you can accomplish anything in life provided you don't care who gets the credit. Can you still be pumped on the impact if nobody would ever know that you're the influencer? So at that conference, I was there with the Red Rocks global senior pastor, Sean, and he's one of my favorite human beings on the planet. I love this guy so much for so many reasons, and here's just one of them. It just makes me so proud that Red Rocks Church is my home. At that conference, it was the Barclay Center in Brooklyn. There was probably 15,000 people. I bet you, conservatively, 10,000 of them knew what Red Rocks Church was. But we'd walk through that arena and nobody knew who Sean was. We went to dinner later that night and he told me that was a dream realized. Influence 100% shared and converted into impact. Where all the glory goes straight over a preacher's head and land straight at the feet of Jesus. That's why we're here today. That's why there's impact in Austin, because one guy's influence in Denver that he's just like, here, it's not mine. Guys, what do you need? I got your back. Like, let's go. What do you need? Let's do this. Let's see some impact. That's who he is. The very first time he ever texted me to to preach on his platform on a Sunday morning, I was 25 years old. And my heart started racing because it's a, lot, it's a lot of people. And I texted him back, like, are you, like, are you sure? Like, what do you want me to say? We, can, we don't have to do this yet, you know? Um, and he just texted back. All he said was, oh, bro, you got this. I trust you. I was like, that's not 
helpful, Sean. I'm like, can you be kind of irresponsible with it? Maybe, I don't know. If, if you can, he is. Um, but all I did was like, Here, here's all the reasons, Sean. I'm not qualified. And then he's like, here's the keys. Shut up. Here's the keys. Will you be perfect? No. Will you make mistakes? Yeah. Will we get a lot of angry emails from mean Christians because of all your Harry Potter references? Yeah. You knucklehead. Will you accidentally cuss once or twice in a sermon? Yeah. It's another story for another day. I got your back. It's Jesus who qualifies the called. And what we're in the business of is taking all of our influence Sharing it because that converts it into impact. Does that make sense? That's number one, share. Number two, the second way Jesus takes influence and converts it into impact, serving. Serving. Influence spent serving is called leadership. So a few days after that scene where Jesus hands Peter the keys, they're back in Jerusalem and they are having a dinner in an upper room. And this is Jesus' party because Jesus knows this is his final night. He knows later tonight I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be falsely tried and and beaten almost to death and then crucified. And and so this should be Jesus' party. But mid-dinner, and we have on record this happening a few times in the three years Jesus did ministry with his 12 buddies. The disciples start arguing about which one of them is the greatest In front of Jesus, who is the greatest, right? They're arguing like, which one of us, Jesus, is going to have more influence in the kingdom of heaven one day? Peter's like, Jesus, will you you just tell Andrew that I'm probably going to have a little more influence than him? Just tell Andy for me. Just sort this out. Who's going to have more, like, who's going to sit at your right and who's going to sit at your left? And as they're arguing and bickering back and forth, Jesus slowly moves to the background of the scene, knowing what's waiting for him the next day, knowing he's about to be crucified and walk out of his tomb three days later to save humanity, including me and you and his 12 friends who are in this argument. And he grabs a basin of water And he grabs a towel and he gets down on his knees and he starts washing their feet. And I have to believe there comes a point in time where the bickering slows down long enough for the disciples to realize what's going on. And in that moment, church, do you think there is any question in anybody's mind who the influencer is? in the room is. It's the guy on his knees with a towel and a basin of water serving his friends. Now, I have to say this to you because this is true about us just like it was true about the disciples. Their desire to be great was not bad. In fact, that's a good thing given to you by God. Their aspiration was right. They just got the application wrong. But the aspiration was was dead on, right? Nobody grows up just wanting to be average. Nobody's going around saying like, oh, I just got some really mediocre dreams I'm just psyched out of my mind about. Got a really ordinary deal at Nordstrom Rack. So awesome, right? Like, I don't know about you. I got one life. I want to live it well. 
I want to be part of a great church. I want my family to thrive. We were made in the image of a great God. It's just Jesus shows us what that actually looks like. And it's not what the world would say, because while the world says, you've got to take what's yours, Jesus picks up a towel and a basin of water and serves and says, this is the route to greatness. Now go and do likewise, because influence spent serving is called leadership. And I bet you, I speculate a lot when it comes to the Bible, I bet you there were some off-the-record conversations between Jesus and Peter. Where Jesus would go, you know what, Peter? You know why I like you, man? I just like you. And you, you want to know why I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven? Because you don't just show up for the big moments. All the things everybody else would call insignificant or unglamorous just mean a lot to you. And because you value small, you can handle big. And I just get the feeling Jesus likes that. Hey, Pete, you, know, you want to know why I'm giving you the keys to my kingdom? Because it really just seems like my opinion is the only opinion that you care about. And that's good because I'm going to ask you to spend the rest of your life spending your influence in the most thankless way possible by serving. Now, we should, we should in this church, because we have a lot of very faithful leaders who just serve, serve, and serve, and we should have a culture of recognition. We should have a culture that says, thank you, thank you, thank you. And by the way, we do. Like, I should look back there to the video booth to Haley Merlot and say, Haley, you, thank you for video directing. It is not easy. You make it look easy. You crush it back there. You make us better. Haley, we love you. Haley, thank you. And I should say that, and I do, but here's the thing. If she needed that, if she was doing that for that reason, she would have been burnt out a month ago. The road to real greatness in the kingdom of heaven has very little traffic. And the reason is because the road to greatness in the kingdom of heaven has very few affirmation stations. And for that reason, if serving is beneath you, influence is beyond you. You do not touch the sky by loving influence. You touch the sky when your knees hit the ground. Influence spent serving is leadership. Seth Johnson, Seth, I don't know where you are, but he runs our cafe. And he is one of the most influential leaders in our church because he's one of the most humble servants in our church. And he does so much around here and never asks for anything. And I tell him all the time, Seth, thank you. Here's a t-shirt. Here's a hoodie. I have nothing else. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And he's so polite that he, like, he receives that. But I also just sense in his spirit that he's just like, thank you. I receive that, I, I, but I don't need it. I just, I'm doing likewise how Jesus told me to. So I'll be in my cafe with a basin of water and a towel. With a basin of coffee. I guess a Cambro of coffee and a towel. Turning water into coffee. Which is more Christian than turning water into wine, Jesus. Oh, nobody told the creator of the universe Christians aren't supposed to have a glass of wine. I'll stop, I'll stop. The world's crazy, man. I'm just like, you got to say it how it is now. we got to laugh in here. Influence spent serving is called leadership. Influence spent serving 
converts that influence into impact. Does that make sense? All right, let's do this. Let's finish up. Number three, then we're going to worship, and then we're going to go to the lobby and hang out. I can't wait. And one of you is going home with this jacket because I'm never going to wear it again. It's already really hot. Okay. Jesus spent three years. Here's the, uh, I'm sorry, the third one. Okay, so, so, you knew it was going to be another S. It's an alliteration. Share, serve, and sow. I don't mean go get a sewing machine, Ryan. It's not what I mean. I mean become a sewing machine. I don't know if that was really good or really bad, but nobody's going to forget it because I said that. Become a sewing machine. My evidence, Jesus, because he spent three years sowing his influence into Peter. From saying, hey, Peter, follow me, to all the late night unrecorded conversations around the fire, to picking Peter up every time he fell, and correcting him, and encouraging him, and walking on water with him, and the Mount of Transfiguration, and handing him the keys to the kingdom, and the Last Supper, all the way to reinstating him with breakfast on the beach. Jesus was a sewing machine. Write that down. That's Sewing machine, I got to use that, that just came to me. Jesus was a sewing machine, and the proof is in his fruit. You can't argue with fruit. Love the guy or hate the guy. There is not a single human being in history who has had a bigger impact on planet Earth than Jesus Christ. The proof is in the fruit. I gave a whole sermon on his impact a year ago in a sermon called Jesus is King. If you want to go watch it, you don't have to have faith to see impact. You just have to look because it's real. I'll just give you a little bit. Jesus literally divided history in half. Divided it in half. B.C.A.D., which means every tribe, tongue, nation, every religion is telling time. Based on a Jewish carpenter who was born in Palestine 2,000 years ago. He is history's most familiar figure. He is the man who will not go away. He sowed his life into a grave. And three days later, his impact walked out of an empty tomb and has been spreading like a wildfire ever since. Because influence sown is impact multiplied. No such thing as addition in the kingdom of heaven. We go by multiplication. Influence sown is impact multiplied. So me, Ryan, and Ethan, uh, we used to make humor videos about 10 years ago for our college church. Um, and that it's awesome. And that's where we learned... Uh, church should be enjoyed and not endured and the joy of the Lord is our strength and we're going to laugh and have a good time in here and we will be ridiculous to make you smile and never apologize for it. But one of those, one of those videos actually ended up going viral, as the kids say. And uh, it, was, it was actually kind of cool. Like it, 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 it had like a, a million views in just a couple days. And 10 years ago, that was a really big deal. And I remember just like, it truly was like dogs chasing a car that finally caught one. And we're like, what do we do with this? Is this influence? Like, what? Like, I guess just get more? Two million views. Then I'll be happy, right? It's like having a barn full of seeds. You're never planning on sowing. It's like, what do I do with, with all, like, come see my barn full of seeds. Let me give you a tour. It's like, well, really, don't, don't show me the seeds. How about you go 
sow the seeds and call me in a year when something worth seeing actually starts growing because impact, or I'm sorry, influence is like potential. It's everywhere. Everybody has it. It's a dime a dozen. It's only once it gets converted into impact that it's something real. My friend Ben um, was The Bachelor on The Bachelor back in 2016. And uh, that's, I swear, that's, that's, it's not a name drop. He's just, I'm so proud of him because he's such a perfect example of this because being on that show got that guy so much influence. And all I've seen him do in the last four years is whatever it takes to sow it so that influence gets converted into impact. From the company called Generous Coffee that he leads that partners with a nonprofit organization called Humanity and Hope that's ran by Riley Fuller, who goes to our church, who also, by the way, takes all the influence he has and just sows it and sows it and sows it into the nonprofit he founded that is having an impact in Honduras, including bringing electricity to an entire village that has never had electricity before two months ago, which, by the way, a lot of you in here were a part of making that happened because $10 that you had, which by the way is influence, you sowed it and God converted it into impact. Church, I got to tell you, you have more influence in your figurative wallet than you know. Sow it. It looks like your time, your attention, your prayers, your money, your words, your, your followers, your, your, your whatever, your breath. You have no idea how one encouraging word can change somebody's day. That's one word sown. You have no idea how, how much one text message or one phone call can shift the trajectory for a soul. Ed Long, I've never seen somebody do this as well as you. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to young guys in our church who are like, oh yeah, Ed, Ed texted me, Ed called me, Ed this, Ed that. I'm like, the, the word, the name Ed is gonna be a verb in Red Rocks Church before too long, right? Sowing seeds, one text message. I've got influence. I'm going to sow it one seed at a time. God will convert it into impact. How about this concept? The, the very reality that prayer exists means you. Catch this. Don't miss this. You have influence with God. And every prayer is a seed sown. Chrissy, she heads up our, our prayer team, and she's in here. I saw her earlier today. I see her praying over chairs dropping a seed of prayer on every single chair. When we worship, worship is using your breath is influence, God-given influence. And you worshiping is you sowing it and watching God convert it into impact. I wanna show you one picture. This is my son from last week. I don't think he's still in the room. He's, yeah, that, that was him. That makes me cry watching. All he did, he just looked around the room and he just saw all of you doing that and so he just copied you and started doing it. And I'm, I'm realizing I've never seen that before because I've only been a dad for about two years now, but that's impact right there. And your worship is influence that you sowed for 10 minutes at the end of a service on a Saturday evening. So I'll finish right here and then I'm, I'm done, I swear. Okay. The year after that viral YouTube video, 
uh, me and Ethan, our senior year of college, had an opportunity to lead a small group of freshman guys. And for us, we're thinking, we got God pressured into it. I truly believe that. Because I'm like, we should not be doing this. Like, I'm, I've been to church for five minutes total, God. Why are you having me lead a group of freshman guys? I got my own stuff. Like, we were all in our own group at the time. And we were so fresh and new to faith that our prayers were like, God, like, keep us safe partying this weekend and, and help Kevin's girlfriend not be pregnant. Amen. Like, truly, that was, that was, <laughs> that's, and, and then God saying, hey, you guys, go lead those guys. And so we did, and we had eight freshman guys show up. And I remember, me and Ethan, we stayed one Bible study ahead of them intellectually throughout the whole year and they never knew. We met every week, we took them to lunch, took them to coffee, encouraged them. They came to us to confess stuff and just get real. We were honest with them and prayed for them and, and we're just sowing seeds all year and those seeds were going into the ground and you just, we were wondering like, is this doing anything at all? Until our very last night of meeting as a group that year. At the very end of the year, we, uh, we had all the guys write down on a sheet of paper their vision statement for the man of God they wanted to be. For the, for the friend, for the husband, for the dad, this is the man of God I want to be. And because we had just finished reading Wild at Heart, we hiked up into the mountains at night and uh, found a boulder and one at a time had those guys climb up onto the boulder and shout their vision statement like Heath Ledger giving a speech in The Knight's Tale, all right? And I'm watching that happen, and it was a moment for all of them. And I'm standing back there with Ethan just watching like this, this is impact. We can do this. We can get used to this. I'll take this over influence any day. God, I'm not trying to go to the grave with a barn full of untapped influence. I'm gonna share it. I'm gonna serve with it and I'm gonna sow it until you convert every last seed of it into impact this side of eternity, amen?